like to say thank you to our choir and our musicians for once again blessing us with that music. It's, it's a, a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. And I want to welcome you today. I want to welcome those who are listening to us here as we worship together in beautiful, historic downtown Gaston, Alabama. If you're listening to us live stream, uh, we're glad that you're with us by live stream. Matthew chapter 6 is where we go once again. We're almost done with learning how to pray. It's just a lifelong process, learning how to pray as Jesus taught us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, and then verses 14 and 15, where Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then picking up verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a little boy who one time passed a pet shop every afternoon on his way home from school. And every afternoon when he walked by, he would stop and he would look at the puppies. They had him in a pen right in the front part of the window, and he'd go in and play with the puppies a little bit, and he would go on. And one day, he finally mustered up the courage to ask the pet shop owner, how much is that doggy in the window? Y'all know, some of you do. How much is that doggy in the window? And he told him, and so from that day forward, he saved his allowance every week until he finally had enough to go get one of those puppies. He took his piggy bank back to the pet shop, and he set it up on the counter, and he and the pet shop owner counted out the money, and sure enough, he had enough. And he was so happy and so excited when the pet shop owner pointed to the pen and said, go pick out your puppy. And he went over, and all the puppies rushed over to one side, and they were all crawling over each other and wiggling and waggling and, and barking. And, but there was one puppy that was kind of over in the corner, and it wasn't feisty and jumping around like the other ones. And the little boy reached over the wiggling pile of puppies and got the little lone puppy in the corner and held it to his chest and said, this is the one I want. And the pet shop owner said, you don't want that one. And he said, well, why not? He said, well, look at his front paw. His front paw has been deformed since he's born, and so he can't jump around like the other puppies do. You don't want that one. And the little boy said, hold on a second. He set the puppy down, and he rolled up his sleeve, and his arm had been deformed since birth. And he said, you see, mister, I got problems, and he got problems, so I figured maybe we could be friends. And uh, so that's kind of where we are in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've gotten to the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, I got problems, and he got problems, so maybe we could be friends. Here's how we got there. We started with our attention on God, our Heavenly Father, and we started saying, it's about you, God, it's about your, your kingdom, it's about your glory, and it's about your will being done on earth as it is in heaven, and I'm wanting to put my feet to work making that happen. Then we asked God to be our provider. We recognized God as our provider, and we said, God, our daily bread comes from you. Give us today what we need for today, just for today. And now we've come to the other thing that we so desperately need, we so desperately need forgiveness ourselves. Because why? Because 
I got problems and because you got problems. And so we're asking for forgiveness. We're looking at it from all sides. As a matter of fact, the pattern for prayer that Jesus gave us that we call the Lord's Prayer covers all the sides of forgiveness. We're going to look at three sides. The first side is this. And let me stop at this, po- this point and remind you, if you're a note taker, there's an outline in that newsletter for you. If you're not, don't even worry about it. Uh, but the first side of forgiveness is this. It's, I call it the I've got problems side. And we all, if we're honest, would have to say, like the little boy did, I've got problems. Romans 3.23, which we've probably all heard before, says it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but I want you to notice very closely that it says all. It says all and not all y'all, as we say in the past. Not all y'all, I mean all. I've got problems. Uh, And, you know, sin is not something that we talk about much outside the church. You turn on the news or you read the newspaper, you'll read a lot of bad things happening. But they'll be called crimes, they'll be called tragedies, they'll be called catastrophes, they'll be called mistakes, but they won't be called sin. But even if the news doesn't report it as sin, you and I know, you and I know because the Bible reports it as sin and we all know in our hearts that we say along with the little boy, I've got problems. Now what are we talking about when we talk about sin? The Bible uses five different words in the New Testament to talk about sin, all five of these different words put a little bit different light on sin, what it means to sin. Uh, The most commonly used word is hamartia, and it was, it's important to know, this was an archery term, okay? You imagine a big archery target with a big bullseye in the middle like you would shoot an arrow at. What hamartia means is you miss the target. The verse we read earlier in Romans 3.23 that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's just saying if the glory of God is the target, we miss the target. Uh, We fail to hit the target of being all that God wants us to be. We fall short of that. And that's the word hamartia sin. The second word is parabasis and it means stepping across. If you imagine a line, and on one side of that line is right, and on the other side of that line is wrong, then what we're saying here is when we sin, we step across the line. You say, well, you might be talking about somebody else, preacher, but you're not talking about me. And I'm going to say, come on now. Come on. Let's be honest with each other. If one side of the line is telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and the other side of the line is stretching and fudging the truth a little bit, Let's be honest, you stepped across that line. And you might have even stepped across that line when you met me at the back door and said, good sermon preacher. I don't know. You might have stepped across the line there. But we stepped across that line. If one side of the line is being patient and kind like we know we ought to be, and the other side is being selfish and hurtful, we've stepped across the line. Now, I read Facebook because I know that line gets stepped across. Y'all do too, right? All right, the third word for sin is paraptoma, and it means slipping across. It's if you mind, you're you're driving on a slippery road and you slipped across the line, all right? And we do that too. We we sometimes, we just just slip up, don't we? We we didn't really mean to. It's not as intentional as stepping across the line, but we slipped across the line. We shot our mouth off before we thought. 
we, we just kind of slipped, we slipped up. The, the fourth word for sin is anomia, not ammonia is, is one of the jokers in the earlier, it's not ammonia, it's anomia, and it means lawlessness. It, it means, it means some, the person who knows good and well what they're doing, and they just consciously choose to just keep on doing the wrong thing. Um, so those are, those are four words for sin. So I want us to look at number two, three, and four, and I want us to kind of see the difference in these by, by using an illustration of driving over the speed limit. Okay? Uh, not that any of y'all have ever done that, right? Okay? Driving over the speed limit. So, number two, the, the, the word parabasis, stepping across the line. Um, that is like, you know the speed limit says 65, and you step across that line and you set your cruise control on 70. Um, Y'all don't do that. Is it just me? Are y'all leaving me up here by myself? So you justify it to yourself. You say, I'm just stepping across the line a little bit. I'm not stepping across the line so far as to get a ticket, but I'm, I'm stepping across that line. I know what I'm doing. And then that, that third word, paroptima, uh, is slipping across the line. That's when you know, you're not consciously thinking about it. You're just not thinking. Uh, let's just say, let's say you're driving on Horton Bend Road. And the speed limit's 35 miles an hour. And you're not thinking too much, but you just... And all of a sudden, you see blue lights in the rearview mirror. And you pull over, and the officer says, Sir, did you know you were doing 53 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone? Why, no, officer, I didn't realize that. Not that that's ever happened to me personally, exactly like I just described. Be careful going down Horton Bend Road. You can just slip right on by that speed limit and not even think about it. All right, that's, that's slipping across the line. And then anomia would be lawlessness. That's like the driver that thinks that the speed limit doesn't apply to him at all. He drives like he's at Talladega 100% of the time. Like that white van that passed me on Rainbow Drive the other day that about ran me off the road. That was anomia if I ever saw it. Speed limit doesn't apply to me. Okay. So, but now there's a fifth word for sin, and this is interesting because this is the one that's used in the Lord's Prayer. This is a, a philema, and this is failing to pay what's due, owing a debt. If you can imagine a tenant farmer, and he has an arrangement with the owner of the land that he gets to plant and farm this, this land for a certain season of time, and at harvest time, he has to pay a certain amount to the owner. And let's say that certain time, the harvest time comes, and for whatever reason, the tenant farmer doesn't pay the owner the debt that he owes. He can't pay the debt. Now, in this equation, you and I are the tenant farmers, and God is the owner. Because everything that we have that we, we say that we own, including our own lives, we don't really own it. We borrow it. Uh, we, our job is to be stewards of what God has given us and, and be good stewards in every way with the blessings that God has blessed us with. And when we fail to do that, we, we fail to pay the debt that God has created us to do. When, when we fail to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, when we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves, we end up owing a debt. 
that we're not paying. And that debt uh, is what we're asking for forgiveness of. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, God, I'm asking you please close the gap between what your best hope for me is and what my actual performance is. There's a gap there. God, please close that. Please forgive me that debt. I'm not talking about mistakes here. I, I'm talking about sin. I'm, I'm talking about stepping over that line. I'm talking about just slipping over that line. I'm talking about missing the mark. I'm talking about in thoughts and words and deeds. I got a problem. It's called sin. I need forgiveness. Okay, so the second side of forgiveness is, I call it the he's got a problem side. Because I know I've got a problem. I know I stepped across the line, slipped across the missed mark, however you want to say it, in my relationship with God and in my relationship with other people. But also, other people have trespassed against me. Other people stepped across that line with me. Other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, have injured and hurt me in some way. And you see, they owe a debt to me. They owe a debt to me. This is just a reality. And, and the question is not whether this happens. It's a question of what I'm going to do about it. What am I going to do? Am I going to stay angry and, and bitter? Am I going to carry around that, that burden? I saw somebody illustrate this with a, a backpack and a pile of rocks. And, and he talked about the different ways that people would hurt each other. It's like, uh, okay, you know, I, I trusted that guy and he betrayed me. Or, uh, or I told somebody something in confidence and, and they blabbed it all over the place and they gossiped. And all of the different ways that people, and rock after rock after rock got piled in that backpack and he put that backpack on his back. And the question is, am I going to carry that hurt around? Am I going to carry that backpack filled with, with grudges and hurt and bitterness? Or am I going to forgive those who trespass against me? You know, the really scary part is, is the part of the Lord's Prayer when it says, um, forgive us as we forgive others. It's like we're saying, God, I want you to give me the same amount of forgiveness that I give the people who trespass against me. That makes you squirm a little bit to think about it that way. So the second side of forgiveness is that he's got a problem. And then the third is that maybe we can be friends. Maybe we can be friends side because we're talking about forgiveness. That's the way we can be friends is forgiveness. So when we say forgiveness, what are we saying? It's important for us to know. And it's important for us to know what we're not saying when we say forgiveness. We are not saying when we say forgiveness uh, that we're making excuses, right? I'm not making excuses to God for what I did. I'm not making excuses to you. I'm not making excuses for you when you hurt me. Because if it was excusable, then I wouldn't need forgiveness. Uh, if it was excusable, I wouldn't need to forgive you. I just need to deal with it, okay? But we're talking about inexcusable stuff. We're talking about unacceptable behavior. And that's why we need excuses. So we don't make excuses. Forgiveness is not saying what you did was okay. It's not saying what you did, hurting me, is, is not okay. 
me sinning against God is not okay. We're not saying it's okay. But what we are saying is forgiveness is learning to let go. It literally, the word in the Lord's Prayer for forgiveness literally means to let go or to send away. And that's what God does. Thank God. That's what God does when he forgives us. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. He removes them. Cast them away. That's how God forgives us. And so when we forgive someone who trespasses against us, we're not saying, okay, what you did was all right with me. It's okay. We're not making excuses, but we're letting go, okay? We're, we're feeling the weight of that backpack, but then we're setting it down on the ground and putting it away from us. We're putting it in God's hands. We're letting go of our right to seek revenge for them hurting us. We're laying that backpack full of bitterness down. Have I mentioned that this is difficult to do? It's really hard to forgive. That's why um, the Apostle Peter uh, asked Jesus one day, and thank God, by the way, for the Apostle Peter. He always says what everybody else is thinking, and we get to see the benefits of it. And so he went up to Jesus one day, and he said, Lord, how often do I have to forgive somebody when they sin against me? With seven times, how about seven times? He thought he was being really generous because the Talmud says you do three times. You forgive three times, and after that, then three strikes and you're out, right? And so Peter took that three, and he doubled it, and threw in another for good measure, and he said, how about seven times, Lord? And Jesus said, not seven times. How about 77 times, or depending on your translation, 70 times seven I can just picture Peter in my mind, just 70, 490 times, you know. And while he's standing there with his mouth open, Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about a, a king and a servant. And the king calls the servant in, and he calls his debt. He, he says, uh, you, you owe me 10,000 talents, which is a crazy, ridiculous amount. A talent was a weight of silver that, that equaled 15 years' wages. 10,000 of those is like saying you owe me a bazillion dollars. It was crazy. And, of course, the guy couldn't pay, and so the king was going to sell him and sell his family and sell his possessions to collect on the debt in some way. And the servant falls at his feet and begs for mercy. And as crazy as this sounds, the king forgives the man's debt. And the man gets up and goes right out the door and finds one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wages, so it's a significant amount, but it was piddling compared to the bazillion dollars he owed the king. And he says, pay up what you owe me. And the servant said, I can't do it. I don't, I, I don't have it. And he seized him by the throat and said, you got to pay up now. I'm putting you in. He throws him in debtor's prison until he can pay the debt off. And you know the story. The king finds out about it. And the king calls the servant back in. 
and said, look, I forgave you a gazillion, bazillion dollar debt, and you wouldn't forgive the little piddly debt between you and your fellow servant? And he commands that the servant be turned over to the torturers until his debt is paid. And this is the sobering part. Jesus actually says this. He says, if you don't forgive your brother and your sister from the heart, that's what's going to happen to you. Wow, Jesus, I wish you hadn't said that. Because forgiving is hard. Now I want to tell you, particularly if somebody hurts you really bad, it's hard. It, and that's the last thing I want to say about forgiveness. It's costly. Forgiveness. It's costly. It's not cheap and easy. You know how much it costs? You know how much it costs? First John 1 John 1.7 says it, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. The price of forgiveness is the blood of Jesus Christ. And forgiving the one who trespasses against me, it's going to cost me something. It's not easy. You know what I have to do? I have to forfeit my right to pout. And I like to pout. Let's be honest with you. I have to give up my right. I have to cancel the pity party that I had already scheduled. I have to let go of all the rotten things I was going to do to get that other person back. It's difficult. But I got to do it. I got to do it. Um, John Wesley once preached on forgiveness and he had a guy come up to him after the sermon and say, Sir, I never forgive. And then John Wesley replied, well then, sir, I hope you never sin. I hope you never sin. Truth is, we have all received that forgiveness because God first loved us while we were still sinners. Here's the thing about praying the Lord's Prayer, and I've said this before. It's, it's not just a prayer that you learn and memorize. It's a pattern, and you do it this way over and over again. Jesus said, when you pray, do it this way. We ask for daily bread, daily, right? Forgiveness is something we receive and give daily too. We are always going to need to direct our attention to God and God's name and God's kingdom, God's will. We're always going to need to recognize where our daily bread comes from. And we're always going to need to know how to receive and how to forgive forgiveness. To be forgiven and to forgive daily. You know why? Because I got problems. And because you got problems. But maybe we can still be friends. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for paying the price. For paying the debt that you did not owe. Thank you for forgiveness. And God, I pray right now for the grace to offer forgiveness just like I've received it. I need your help, Lord. We need your help, Lord. And we know that you will help us so that 
when we go forward, we can walk forward without carrying that load, without carrying that bitterness. So we trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn.